You're listening to Pythagoras' Trousers. Hello and welcome to this month's Pythagorean Astronomy with me, Chris North. Last month, we discussed the imminent arrival of three missions to Mars, and I'm delighted to say that all three seem to have arrived successfully. The United Arab Emirates Hope mission sent back its first pictures of the red planet on the 9th of February. On the 10th of February, China's Tianwen-1 mission arrived, and the Chinese Space Agency released a video from onboard the spacecraft as it swung into orbit around Mars. That mission will be releasing a lander onto the surface in coming months. But on the 18th of February, we retreated to a real spectacle. The landing of Perseverance, NASA's latest rover to the Red Planet. A few days later, NASA even released a video taken from on board the rover as well as its jetpack as it landed. It looks like something out of a 1980s sci-fi movie with billowing dust from the ground being lit up by the light from the thrusters. It's truly awe-inspiring stuff. One of the big reasons we keep returning to Mars is to search for evidence of past or present life. The idea of life elsewhere is not a new one. It's been around for hundreds of years. And at times, of course, it's been considered heretical. But even as recently as the mid-20th century, the idea of vegetation on the surface of Mars was not considered crazy. However, as the dry, arid nature of Mars became clear, and, for example, the hot, hellish surface of Venus was revealed, hopes of finding life, certainly intelligent life, in our solar system all but disappeared. There was a flurry of interest in the mid-1990s when a meteorite that originated on Mars seemed to show signs of fossils of tiny worm-like life forms. Those turned out to be the product of natural geological processes. And so the search goes on, not just in our solar system, but also beyond. This month, I'm joined by Professor Abel Mendez, who's a physicist and astrobiologist at the University of Puerto Rico based in Arecibo. I began by going back to basics and asking Abel why we even go searching for life elsewhere. Well, hi, Chris. Um, yes, uh, if we consider our planet Earth, that is a planet with life. So we have an intelligent life also. We have definitely proof that life is possible in the universe. So we are not searching for anything that we haven't seen before. We are not asking to look for squares, planets, or something weird that, no, no, no. This is a, a, a normal uh, way of thinking things. If you have one example, then there should be, uh, there could be others. So that's why that's the driver for the astrobiology. But I have to emphasize that uh, people think that astrobiology is only deals with searching for extraterrestrial life, and that's half of what astrobiology does. Astrobiology is the science that studies life in the universe, especially starting with us, because there is strong connection with life and the rest of the universe, the origin life of, of, of our planet the evolution of life, that there are many astronomical things like impacts that could drive life away from the planet. And also what we'll do with our future. Are we moving to space? So you can do astrobiology, you're thinking alone about life on Earth and forgetting anything about extraterrestrial life. So half of the astrobiology focus on, on, on Earth, the other ones are uh, beyond. So I am one that focuses on beyond. And there's a, there's a nice synergy there, I guess, that 
when we think of astronomy, if we want to know about the evolution of stars or planets or galaxies, we can't watch any of this in real time, but we can go and look at other examples that are younger or are older or are slightly different. So we look at planets or stars or galaxies that are in slightly different situations. And it sounds like what you're saying is, if we want to study life on Earth and get an understanding of where we came from, we can't go back in time. We can't watch that happening in real time, but we can go and study other examples and analogues um, elsewhere in yeah. the universe. Yeah, that, that's that's very important. So we have a, a complete picture, and that's uh, that's why it's important for us to learn about our own planet. So every time we're looking uh, beyond, we try to use that information to understand the evolution of our planet. So that's one way of, of seeing it. And that especially, that's how I like to do my astrobiology. So I am interested in the possibilities of life elsewhere, but deep in my mind is not because actually I'm interested in life elsewhere, because that will also tell us about life on Earth, our, our origins, our future. That's my main concerns. When it comes to it, we're all fairly self-centered, I suppose, and we want to know about us, right? That's that's our uh, in in the end, it's all about us. Uh, in, uh, uh, when you when you break it down, so our, when we go looking for life uh, in elsewhere, wherever that may be, is there a risk that we are just looking for, you know, another us, another? equivalent of humanity we we know about life on the planet we have hu the, the human race we've got we've got ourselves we've got other life forms and creatures large and small um are we are we making a mistake sometimes that we're just looking for a recreation of that if you like well that's part of the process that uh you start to look for things that you understand already that's very important and people complain oh well you're not uh thinking out of the box, thinking about possibilities out of that. But as this process is necessary, because this is the only way that you can recognize something as different. You start by looking, for example, if we're looking for life in the atmosphere of any planet by looking by for biosignatures, some indicators of life in the atmosphere, like oxygen, methane. But, and let's say we detect those, Okay, okay, that's, that's something that uh, we recognize as terrestrial life. But we also see that the planet is very hot, much hot for life as we know it. Then, wow, that's probably something that is not related to life at all. There's life there, but this is something totally new. So in this process, you are looking for everything. You're exploring for anything, but thinking about how to recognize uh, is that something related or not to Earth? That's very important to have that space established. So speaking about planets that are very different, um, this, is, this is a very broad question, but where do we look for life elsewhere? Oh, there are three general places. And the first place is Earth. But why Earth? Why on Earth we are looking for extraterrestrial life? Well, meteorites. Meteorite, the idea of panspermia, of microbial life being transported in these meteorites, that life might be life from Earth that was uh, at the beginning of Earth, was as pulse and came back. That's, that's one possibility that's of life that might be originating in other planets. So people since the 1996, remember the Mars meteorite, famous Mars meteorite, that we got some hints that probably 
lag was there, but that now the consensus is not. So, but people still thinking about that. Other possibility, all weird possibility is the shadow biosphere. The possibility that there's some independent origin of life on earth. So all life on earth is related. So you see through the DNA that uh, they have a common ancestor. But why, if this is a good planet for life, why life is not appearing now everywhere? And there's a problem for that because once you have life, any attempt to recreate life will be eaten by that life. So that's, that's, that now we learn that, okay, so if we find a planet with life, that life probably is a, has a common ancestor because there are some physical requirements and some chemistry there that uh, uh, force that. But the thing is that there's a possibility anyway, and people in 2010, 2011 was thinking about this shallow biosphere, a, an independent origin of life through looking at a place that we know is too harsh for life as we know it. But if we look, maybe there is some, there's the only place that you can find a different life because it, it won't be in contact. And, uh, and probably people remember that case as the arsenic life. And that, uh, that arsenic life was a uh, life believed to, uh, to be in, in the Mono Lake in California. It's a very arsenic uh, um, saline lake, but uh, it was later found that it was not a you know, life that uh, different from us. So, so the, okay. and this, this was where, because life as we know it, sh we, well, as we understood it, shouldn't be able to exist with such large amounts of arsenic, which is a, a poison, a to toxic to, basically all life that we know and so finding a hint of there being life in this arsenic rich lake was was very surprising but as you say it was it, it turns out life life found a way to corner phrase yes so it was not independent that it was not using it was using phosphorus in the dna and not arsenic uh, it was i believe it so it was only uh, adapted life so it's an extreme environment for uh, extremophiles and uh, so that's one way to do it, to search for life just on Earth. And then the solar system. Right. We have been exploring solar systems in the 1976 with uh, Mars Vikings uh, 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 landers. And, uh, and we are where there are other prospects like the uh, moons of Jupiter uh, and beyond. And then uh, extrasolar planets. Exoplanets, and uh, and that's uh, so. Those are the three: Earth, solar system, and extrasolar planets. But if you want to look for microbial life, that will be Earth and the solar system. So we don't think that there is possibility of any kind of animals in the. Uh, so that means uh, multicellular organisms in the solar system, at least microbial life, if any. But if you're interested in my, uh, something beyond microbial life complex life, like plants, animals, or even intelligent life, then you have to look elsewhere in other stars, other planets. And even in our solar system, there are weird and wonderful places that you might consider looking for looking for life. For, for, for decades, the idea had been, well, Mars was the place to look because it's the least unlike the Earth, not maybe now, but certainly used, you know, used to be a bit more similar. But now we have hints of, you know, oceans and maybe even cloud-based life. It's, 
it really starts to go beyond sort of the ecosystems that we're we're used to seeing, doesn't it? Yes, and people ask me a lot, what of those three places, general places, where we think we might be able to find life. And I want to bet in the solar system, and I want to bet on Mars. And it's not necessarily that we have a uh, fine life there, but we will have uh, a, a Mars provides us with a clue because uh, there are other places like Europa, the ocean, but the, it will take some time to get up there and explore those things. Mars is the closest thing, and even that the surface environment now is too harsh. But eventually, maybe one decade, two decades, we will go uh, and deep inside the planet, well, not that deep, one meter deep. And if we excavate and find a spring of water, so I mean running water, not ice, running water, and we sample that environment and we see that there's the right chemistry for life there. So if we put any microbial life, terrestrial life there, we know it will, it, it, it will be fine but we don't find life at all in that place. So we have here a habitable place by all standards, but there is no life. So that will be profound because, okay, no other habitable place enough in life. So that will tell us that elsewhere, maybe finding life, it won't be that easy. But if we're lucky, we find life. So the key is there. The key is there. It's a just no answer. And anyway, it's a big answer. And the only way to get that is on Mars. So we've got, we got a leg up, as you say, because we're already exploring there. Anywhere else is, a, is a, you know, a decade or two or more off actually being able to properly explore, I guess. So you mentioned microbial life in our solar system. Um, and we might come back to that uh, later. But looking at more um more complex life and talking about looking at other solar systems how how do we go about searching for for that kind of life because we can't we can't go and dig up the earth on a dig up the ground on a, a planet around another star how do we search for life beyond our solar system well there are many ways uh, so that's the new trend so since about 2010s, we have been detecting Earth-sized planet at the right distance from the star to have uh, liquid water, which is called the habitable zone. But we don't we we can only tell their orbit, which tells something about the temperature, but it's not actually measured temperature. We uh, we know their size, so we know that they are big enough to hold an atmosphere, not that big that the atmosphere will crush anything below and make a water independent of temperature solid. So we need liquid water, or not too small like Mars. So it might not have atmosphere or pressure enough for liquid water. So, but we don't know anything about their surface, about their atmosphere. And that's changing. Actually, it was uh, planned probably through this decade, but uh, we started already in 2019 when we observed K to 18, that's an exoplanet around uh, end of star. And uh, it's probably too big for, for anything like life, but it's at least 2.5 or so the size of Earth. 
So we are getting closer. We have been, yes, for a big planets detecting the atmosphere, but now we are detecting atmosphere for the smaller one. And we will keep doing that. So it's, so everything is changing. So it's changing from uh, detected planets and now it's characterization of those planets. And in the, that characterization, especially the atmosphere, we're going to biosignatures. And even techno signatures. So uh, what we are doing is try to look through the atmosphere of those planets and learn the chemistry. And for example, if we detect something that might not exist because uh, in equilibrium, they, they will uh, cease to exist, like oxygen and methane together, which usually try to react. So if we see that in the planet, then something else is putting those two together. Oxygen alone, noise is not good. Methane alone is not good. But that's one way to detect uh, uh, the potential life. At least that means that there is a microbial life maybe complex life. And, and that's actually often the case with these biosignatures, that it's actually a problem of, of chemistry, because you need something where you can rule out um, non-biological origins. So you can rule out uh, just normal chemistry of just gases on a planet um, behave, doing what gases do or, or whatever liquids do or whatever it happens to be there. And we see that in, uh, I guess in atmospheres, exoplanets, and even in, in studies of our own solar system, it's that um, I guess non-equilibrium processes is probably the uh, uh, the phrase. And I guess the question comes down to: Do or at least for me, do we understand the chemistry well enough to be able to actually rule out uh, non-biological things, or um, is this actually becoming a sort of an astrochemistry experiment at the same time? Well, I don't think uh, we know enough to, to, uh, to, route, to rule out uh, just chemistry instead of uh, biology. So that's why I bet in, in things that are nearby and we can study like Mars instead of exoplanet. So we will see in this decade, I hopefully, a lot of uh, news and reports telling that we detected this and that and oh, we detected that. But those discoveries will be undoubted. That we, we won't be able to, to finally say, well, this is a life for sure. And uh, there will be a lot of discussion and uh, we need a sample back on earth. And even from uh, the experience where we have the Mars meteorite, we have the meteorite. And it took decades just to, for people you have to figure out eventually, okay, no, no, this is something related to, to, to uh, a natural uh, process and not uh, life. So it's very hard. It's very hard to, to uh, from afar, just to be sure that something is. We have uh, many ideas and uh, it will take something. That's why uh, some scientists are more comfortable or not with the idea of signatures, Because if we detect some indication of intelligent life, that might be more uh, easy to recognize. And uh, it will be harder to detect, uh, maybe on, um, less likely because uh, if probably uh, simple life is, is more common than intelligent life. But if we detect something from a technician, maybe we will be able to recognize it better, but. So, so tell me about these techno signatures, what kinds of things do we look for? Okay, so uh, we have, technosignature is the new term 
for all the search for any indication of technology. And uh, we, that started in the 1960s with uh, Frank Drake, the first uh, SETI experiment. The old SETI experiment tried to see if any civilization was transmitting radio signals to us like, like us we were doing for everywhere. And, uh, but it, that evolved, not only that. So people started to have many ideas how we can detect uh, uh, intelligence uh, life by detecting, for example, structures orbiting large structures. So thinking about out of the box or super civilizations, making huge planet-like structures that uh, we might recognize that this is not half the symmetry of a planet passing through. That might be something beyond the dead star <laughs> moving around the planet. And, uh, and, and a, a, so that's one way. But the other way is to look at the atmospheres too and see some gases that are only produced by, or could only be produced by technology. But we know that no natural process, no uh, even life process, unless there is technology could produce that. Uh, planets cover it, for example, in silicon, because they are using all the sunlight as energy. So there's things, many things that we might be able to detect that tell us that those planets have uh, some technology. And this is very real because NASA recently approved, is approving, uh, we, they stopped it in the early 90s, uh, funding that kind of work. But now they're back and 2019, 2020, they started funding research for uh, looking for technosignatures signatures in atmosphere of planet. That's one proposal that was approved for that. And they all said experiments also, they are funding now those uh, experiments. So. So we believe that uh, in this process of detecting biosignature, that's the logical step, biosignature, technosignature. Because if we ever detect any biosignature, you know, the public and all the scientists, the, the next question, is that intelligent life? Is there intelligent life? Oh, and we will say, oh, no, we don't know because uh, we haven't searched it. Wait, that's, that's not right. So, okay, we need to search for biosignature and technosignature. At least we, we can say this is biosignature, but there's no technosignature detection. Yeah. And that tells something about what's I, happening there. I guess an analog there for the technosignatures, you, you mentioned looking for things that, that couldn't be natural. So one example is, um, I guess if you looked at the earth and you just took pictures of the earth you might see straight lines everywhere and grid patterns uh covering the continent and go well actually we we're pretty sure that you can't make straight lines and grid patterns and cuboid shaped building uh, cuboid shaped structures on a surface for example and that therefore i mean that's a that's a bit of a silly example because if if you've got close enough to see cities then uh, then you, there'll be other indications as well but that kind of thing of going that can't be natural yeah, but that uh, that uh, structures, planet-wide structures, we won't be able to detect at all because uh, all exoplanets, what, the, what we see in the next 10, 20, 30 years, I mean, I mean with new telescope, if you see the planet at all, it will be a dot of light. So there's no way to get any details. So you will only get details about the atmospheres of the planet, you will get details about land-ocean ratio, even that you will see the planet as a dot, but as the planet rotates, you will see it getting brighter and darker. 
And that tells you that there's some, because uh, continents are much uh, brighter than oceans. So, and maybe it, you can see that in that light, the green of a large cover of being in the planet. If this is a other uh, massive structure to the planet that will look like, like land. So that, that uh, for, for a single, but there's a trick for that. Uh, the only way to know for sure um, is go over there, but that might take uh, a thousand years or so. But uh, the, there's a trick in between that if we build uh, near a uh, 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 big telescope, big telescope, much bigger than we know now. For example, if we are looking at the Earth-like planet, just like us from the near uh, star, uh, Proxima Centauri, and we build a telescope of 10 kilometers, it doesn't have to be just one piece. It could be many pieces together, was working on an array. That's the way, best way actually to do it. But the total area will be 10 kilometers. And uh, from that, you will see now, you will start to see details uh, of shades. And uh, still, you won't be seeing the cities, terrestrial cities. If you build uh, a, a hundred kilometers, that then you will see uh, uh, a large picture. We see the tail of the continents, even islands. Still, you won't be able to see cities, even a hundred kilometers. And people say, well, that's, that will be harder to do than go over there. No doubt it's cheaper than going over there. So definitely we will do those massive telescope arrays long before we start to travel into the stars. But what's the deal if we build even the 100 kilometers and we cannot tell if cities are there, but as the planet goes in the nighttime, you will see the bright of the lights of the combined bright of the cities and there you got it. You have seen pictures of, of, of our planet in the nighttime. You see the cities. <laughs> so yes, we will have that capability. And that might be something that maybe in the 20 or 30 years, we detect the first uh, absolute biosignature or actual indication of life. Like there's the green planet. The dot looks, it has some green. There should be life there. So that might motivate to construct this much bigger telescope and we will have the picture. And then in the nighttime, we see just totally dark. Okay, that's a planet not like us, probably as Earth in the past, <laughs> no intelligent life uh, making light or they don't, or they like the dark. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that's one way uh, that will think will be the closest thing Long before we have the capability to try to the star, we will be building this massive telescope. That's why people ask me about the also uh, our concern of sending radio transmission that we will get noticed elsewhere. Well, if some uh, uh, civilization has the capability of traveling to the star, long before that, they did this massive, huge telescope they know everything in detail. So you don't need to tell, to, to get picked up by radio signal. They already know. Is they are not here, they're not interested or they're not there. The last thing to, uh, to, to you mentioned these super civilizations is people talk about, well, could they potentially, you know, 
could they be coming to visit us? And I'm not talking about, you know, people being abducted by aliens uh, or any of those kind of things, but there are, there are serious conversations going on and have been for a long time about could they have uh, sent probes to come and see us? And that's something that, that recently um, has come to the fore again with, with various things that we've, we've seen. So what's the, what's the current understanding or this current thinking about um, uh, visitations from uh, probes, if you like, or other other stuff from alien civilizations. Well, that's uh, that's a sensible uh, topic, and uh, it's a, a topic of discussion. And if we look what we are doing right now with Mars, we're sending probes, and we're sending the first simple probes, and we're getting better and better and better. So, if other civilizations are doing that, then we should or have been doing that for a long time, maybe many civilizations, then we might have been finding uh, those probes throughout the, all the Earth history. And we should go to the museum and see that probe that was sent, but we don't know from whom sometime in the past. But that's not what happened. So you see, there's no probe. <laughs> Nobody has been sending probes to our planet through millions of years. And, uh, and we have been looking the skies elsewhere. So no radio indication of anybody sending any radio signal. So we have more proof that uh, we are alone that we, are, that we have been visited. But still that's a possibility. And maybe that what they're doing once the planet gets so advanced to, to, to move through the stars, which is a big deal then maybe other habitable planet because they construct this telescope they know everything about us in so much detail that they do send probes but they are not interested in interfere and maybe they just send those probes to travel through the solar system and go away and sample and in 2017 uh, in uh, in october the first interstellar uh, asteroid was detected. So the first time we see some piece, some junk from other uh, solar system traveling and uh, through ours. And people started to think about, well, maybe this is something as uh, alien spaceship. So you're telling me that the first thing that we see from others, which by likelihood, should be uh, something natural like asteroid, but no, no asteroid. It, it, the first thing that we detect is, is a space probe. Well, that could happen, but uh, that's uh, unlikely. Unfortunately, we saw this object, Oumuamua, and uh, we detected in October, the, now leaving the solar system. And through optical telescope, it looks like a dot and you can infer about the geometry and shape and thought that, well, maybe it was a 10 to one radio, which is something elongate, like a side figure, or maybe five to one, but still not a shape that common in the in asteroids. In, so that few more speculation about, okay, that this might be a interstellar probe for, but uh, the only way to know if the actual shape was through only radar. And 
I said this was in October 2017. And in September 2017, we have Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. And that uh, uh, has made some damage to the Arecibo Observatory, which had the radar capability, which has been used uh, for a long, has been used for a long time for uh, uh, taking uh, observation in asteroids. And it, it's, it is the only instrument that you can tell the shape. So Oumuamua was barely detectable, but worth it if the receive Observatory was around. So just, that was totally bad luck. Mm. So probably the history without that Hurricane Maria probably we will have uh, observations from Arecibo and, and then, then, okay, no, that's, this is the actual shape and no big deal. This is something natural and that. Uh, mm -hmm. But now we can, we can still speculate about uh, what was Oumuamua, but that's a long shot. Mm -hmm. And you're right that the chance of uh, the first time we see an interstellar object, it happens to be something that was sent by an alien race rather than just a bit of planetary shrapnel is um is seems fairly remote um scientists and, don't tend to like coincidences um yeah like that, that. that's but we have uh, later on we have another uh object borisov and another we have the second uh in 2019 we have a second object and another interstellar object but that one in particular was recognized as a as a comet because you see all the gases through the heat of the of the sun like just a regular comet. So Oumuamua was also rare in that aspect because uh, you will expect ice bodies are more common than rocky bodies. And usually they are farther away from their star and more likely to get away and travel to space. So that's rare also that uh, this Oumuamua, the first one is, is a rock instead of ice. But then we have a second one and it was ice. So that's, that, that's a thing. And, and so we do need to we need to bear in mind as well, I guess, that, you know, there's a the, the, the Sherlock Holmes quote that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence um, or worse to that effect, that if you are going to try and claim or propose that there's something seemingly, uh, you know, miraculous or hugely coincidental happened, you need pretty good evidence to convince the scientific community and the world that that it's true rather than just uh, an idea, I suppose. Yes, uh, yes, and it's, it's, it, that's fine that uh, we have to think out of the box mm. in terms of, of we have to consider all the possibilities. So that's a fair possibility, okay? We have to consider extraterrestrial uh, life and we have to consider that this might be something rare and some device traveling through space. And, uh, but you have to consider all the other possibilities. And when you consider all the possibilities, that uh, hypothesis of extraterrestrial uh, uh, technology goes at the bottom, mm -hmm. at the bottom. So why you emphasize that the community the consensus is, okay, when we look everything, and let look, I look at the paper uh, proposing that uh, the only paper, proposing that uh, that is a, a, a technology, a evidence of technology. And well, interesting because well, good uh, that we are trying, I want, to rec I want to be capable of recognizing something natural or something from technology. But then there is not much 
when you consider all the all the data. And then you consider all the data, you see, okay, this is more consistent with just a asteroid traveling through space. So no good evidence that we've been visited by alien space probes, but perhaps, as Abel mentioned, we're just a few decades away from confirming techno signatures, possibly even detecting alien civilizations by way of their own light pollution from their cities. Who knows? Close to home, the search for life on Mars and in other places in the solar system goes on. The odds are, of course, hard to calculate, but it's certainly an important question to be asking. And that's it for this month. My thanks to Professor Abel Mendez at the University of Puerto Rico at Arecibo. Don't forget you can find past episodes and subscribe to the podcast at pythagastro.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at, at AstroPythag, and you can search for Pythagorean Astronomy on Spotify. Until next month, goodbye. You've been listening to Pythagorean Astronomy, an extended version of this month's Astronomy Roundup from Pythagoras' Trousers, a weekly science and technology radio show presented by me, Rhys Phillips. You can catch up on full episodes of Pythagoras' Trousers, subscribe to our podcast and get in touch by going to www.pythagoras-trousers.radio.fm. <laughs>